0: Are you already recording? Yeah. You sneaky bitch. (laughs) I thought you would be. Okay. You do love doing that. I do. Hey, guys. Welcome to our podcast, Cinefem. Hi. I'm Devin Brooke. And I'm Andrea Nelson. And today we have our very lovely guest.
1: James Donovan.
0: (laughs) Excellent. We are very excited to have you on. James is a very good friend of ours and just a an extraordinaire of all kinds of different talents. I like to call James our uh, jack-of-all-trades friend because, honestly, I don't know if there's anything that this man cannot do. Yeah. thank uh, <laughs> you. James- Plus,
1: you don't know anyone named Jack, so... <laughs>
0: I was like, do I know anyone named... Dang it, I don't know anyone named Jack. There you go. Um, we're yeah. going to get into some like icebreaker questions, but if you do want to do any sort of quick intro things that you do, things that you like before we get into some icebreakers.
1: Uh, I really don't want to, but... Um...
2: <laughs> James is a, a writer, director, a colorist, a film editor. He has a trenching tool for emergencies, <laughs> D&D master, wow, 3D printer. Really Extraordinaire. Nice job. What else?
1: Did you take notes because this is pretty good? Yeah.
2: Um I <laughs> didn't yeah, have to p- copy all this on your dating profile. Yeah. Um you know a lot about F1 racing regrettably. Re- yeah,
1: re- yeah, reluctantly. <laughs>
2: reluctantly. Yeah. yeah. All oh, trades. I do want to share with you James that uh mm-hmm. we were texting
0: back and forth about having you on the podcast and uh talking about some of your qualities and uh we decided on a lovely rhyme about you. A rhyme that you can put on a uh, on a business card. If okay. you this is this is my pitch to you. Okay. This is James Donovan. Quickly replies, always on time, Irish goodbyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I like that one. Can you fit orange in there somewhere? <laughs> some into oh, the no. rhyme scheme.
0: It actually was better the other way around. Hold on, hold on, let me do it. It, it was always on time, quickly replies, Irish goodbyes.
1: There we go, there nice. we go. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah,
0: flows a little bit better. All right, well then Les gets into some icebreakers to get to, just to get to know James a little bit better than we already know and also to get to know a little bit about your uh, film aesthetic. Um, this is my favorite question to ask everybody, uh, and it is: What is the first movie quote that comes to your mind? Go! Don't think about it.
1: My name is Maximus Decimus <laughs> Meridius, <laughs> General of the armies to the north, commander of the Felix Legions, loyal follower to the true Emperor oh, Marcus it's, it's, Aurelius. It's still, going. No, it's still going. Father to a murdered son, husband <laughs> to a murdered, to a murdered wife, wife, yes, and I will have my vengeance. In this life or the next.
2: <laughs> that was so epic.
1: I might have mixed up something, but I think I got it. No,
2: that sounded, that felt pretty spot on. So apparently, um, I don't know how true this is, but somebody told me a, like a long time ago in film school that um, Russell Crowe told the writer that he thought that speech was shit. And he was like, the only reason this is working is because I'm amazing. Which could be true or not. I don't know. Russell Crowe seems, confidence. Like the, seems like the type to say it, but that also could just be, you know you know some sort of myth but um, you don't think
1: like josh gad could pull that uh, speech <laughs> wow. off or... i would oh, love to, see, would love to see him try
2: i would love to see the try <laughs> listen uh, uh, josh be... Gad, if you want to do a gladiator movie i yes. think we'll watch it yeah. i would what we
0: learned. 100% watch it <laughs> i may be biased but that might be my favorite of any of our guests i'm so sorry for any other <laughs> our guests that are listening That's no, right. nobody committed quote. to the quote like that before yeah, yeah there's really, the commitment it was well it's really good
1: thank you
2: Okay. Screw them. <laughs> <laughs> we love them. We love them. All right. Um, first movie that blew your mind or made a really big impact on you?
1: The You know, I'm sure I went to the movies before this. Uh, I must have because I would have been like five or six when this came out. But uh, Starship Troopers <gasps> is the first Not movie either. I remember seeing in theaters, which I think is rated R and probably shouldn't have been. It I is. think it's definitely rated R. Definitely
0: okay. rated R. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe you got into see it in theaters. Yeah.
1: The only, like, caveat was... I think I think I went with my mom. It was very much a, like... Uh, oh, there's this, like, 11 people topless in the shower scene. So you gotta cover your eyes for that part.
0: <laughs> but the violence. Yeah, no me. one gives a shit. The when, wanton gore and blood. In yeah, place. when
1: these people are getting, like, severed in half by spiders. <laughs> Not as
0: big of a deal. Okay. Uh,
1: so that's the first... That I can remember seeing, whether it made like a substantial impact on my like understanding of stories. No,
0: no, that's not even necessarily what the question <laughs> is. Sure, yeah, yeah. That feels like it, it probably It had made an impact.
1: impact in that I remember it well. There
0: you go. Well, I'm so interested, Devin, because you just told me earlier that you were able to watch really gory, sort of scary movies when you were a kid.
2: Yeah, because my, um, my, so my mom is a huge sci fi horror fan. Um, and her favorite movie is Alien, and <laughs> and we, we also watched um, Predator a ton. And I would watch all of these movie like they would be on. And my parents were like, "You were never bothered by them." Um, I was afraid of E.T. and I think it's because there were kids in that movie. Hmm. So she's like, "E.T., you weren't cool with." But everybody else, it's like, "I'm not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Why am I afraid of this Predator? He's right. not going to come for me. I don't live in the jungle." But yeah, I think I think I always knew movies were like make believe and pretend. Because I was talking to another friend about this, where she was like, "I didn't." have that, like, she didn't have that separation. She was like, comedies would upset me if somebody got, you know, fake hurt in a comedy. Like, I didn't understand it wasn't real. So I don't know if that was it or if it's because... My mom was watching these all the time and while pregnant and while I was small. And so, I don't know, maybe I just became numb to it.
0: <laughs> so numb I, to it. I was the opposite. And I think if I'd seen Super Troopers as a kid, too, I would.
1: Starship, Starship
0: Troopers. Starship Troopers. Not very movies, sorry. <laughs> That's a funny slip-up. Um, I was so sensitive to violence as a kid. Mm. And I don't think it was because I thought it was real. I just, I was so empathetic. I felt so much. Yeah. I'll never forget. One of the first movies I saw in theater, I think, was the Flintstone Live action? Oh movie? sure with like John Goodman. And know. I remember that there's a scene where he gets fired mm-hmm. and I could not stop uncontrollably <laughs> crying. Oh. And I had I think I, I think they had to take me out of the theater or something like that, but I was like, you don't understand. They they set him on fire. Which I because I'd never heard that <laughs> term before, so I assumed They were going to go set him on fire, and I was so affected by that. Yeah. But also, any violence at all, I I had to hide behind the couch to
2: shield my eyes from it. Which I kind of think is more normal. Like, I think I was a very abnormal child in this way. Like, I think my parents got incredibly lucky that this didn't freak me out, Mm. psychologically (laughs) scar me, or that I wasn't free. But, like, I think that's more the norm. Like, more people I talk to, I think that's more the norm As kids are like, oh, man, that really freaked me out, or they connect really deeply with it. It's like, but for whatever reason, I was cool. <laughs> James, it sounds like you were cool, too. I was less cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean
2: cool as it, I just was, like, calm with yeah, it, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like... the coolest
2: five-year-old. Uh,
1: I mean, this this could be a boy-girl thing, also, just, like, at least in our age, like, being much more, more exposed to violent type things, mm-hmm. just entertainment-wise. Or, like, uh... You know, I someone told me... I think there's, like, a TikTok going around or something, but, uh... This is a good example. So, like, you know, I played Army growing up as a little kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know if either of you did when you were little. Not really. So, all right, here's a good example. Well, it's just you play guns.
0: Oh, I see. It's not a specific game. Yeah, it's
1: like like kids running around. Got it. Can can either of you make... This is like a weird gender line thing I've heard. Can either of you make a machine gun noise with your mouth?
2: Mm, Because little boys would have... Pew, like, pew, 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 so pew. Nope. they be like. <laughs>
1: no, uh, this is the nice thing, like every apparently
2: <laughs> every
1: woman is terrible at this if they didn't play army. Yeah. And then every guy's like, yeah. Like
2: Holy shit, that oh, was a really good machine gun Way <laughs> easier for Wait, every boy. Can you do it again? <laughs> but yeah, it's like you think about like what girls and boys are encouraged to play. That's really funny, the right. machine gun noise. I'm fascinated. I
1: didn't come up with it, but someone told me about it. I think it's a TikTok right now or
2: something. Mm -hmm. I love it.
1: Yes. Test it out.
0: Okay. (laughs) Ask your friends. Next next icebreaker. What is a scene from something you can't get out of your head? A scene that sticks with you?
1: You know, the first one that popped into my head, and I don't even think it's my actual answer, but the first one that popped into my head is the ear cutting scene from Reservoir Dogs.
2: Mm. Okay.
0: And I
1: don't know why, but... I know I saw it when I was, like, 12 or something like that. Oh, my God. Uh, it's pretty okay. Wow. If, weirdly enough, for me, my, um, maybe this is a later question or something, but, like, a lot of my, this is before I even wanted to get into film, but a lot of my exposure to, like, filmmaker movies, like, Reservoir Dogs, for example, or, like, Swingers, like, all the things that people were like, you gotta watch this if you wanna get into indie film. Mm-hmm. I watched them when I was like 10 to 13. Wow. And it was before I wanted to get into film. Yeah, mm. you
2: just happened to... Yeah. Be introduced or stumble upon them. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. Were your parents into that kind of
0: movie, or did you seek those out somehow?
1: Yeah, so they had uh, On Demand on HBO, and I was just like, hey, when I get home from school at like 2.30 in the afternoon.
2: So I had a similar, like, as a kid, there were a bunch of movies that I watched because my uh, parents, my dad won a TV through work as a bonus, and then my parents were like, well, we should get better cable, because then all of a sudden we we had like three TVs all of a sudden. He kept on winning TVs. So then they got...
1: <laughs> That's a scam, David.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't, that. that sounds like
1: he was scamming the
2: cover. Was he stealing TV? <laughs> he was. So my dad was a TV thief. No, he was, like the, like he won a grill. Like he won a bunch of weird stuff as bonuses. So, Devin, like, your dad is a thief. <laughs> he just told you he was yeah, winning stuff. Like you've been gaslit. Listen, uh, this is just this like is that grill. going to turn into a weird therapy episode. Um, <laughs> I just want to say I heard that. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, go on. Um, but yeah, I watched like a bunch of movies that I feel like other people didn't or didn't have access to because they were on hbo and on demand mm-hmm. and it's like oh i'm gonna watch this obscure kind of more indie film or this like you know yeah, yeah. i did not have access to that yeah for sure I, but yeah, i think it was rare it wasn't like now where everybody's got some sort of streaming thing with millions of things woman crush can be a character or an actor over 50 and under 50
1: currently yeah okay not like formative
2: Oh, could okay no, i mean however you want to
1: okay over 50 um susan sarandon nice nice uh under 50 shit i don't know if i got one <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love how quickly love... susan sarannon came so though yeah
1: <laughs> you know it's it's not that i don't have one it's just that there's a lot of uh, wonderful uh people so it would be like too long of a list or too short of a list <laughs> so it's <laughs> actually,
0: like actually yeah i hear that that's fair
1: whereas you know susan stands out
0: <laughs> yes she does iconic.
1: I was going to say that I feel like uh, any of the actresses that are like specifically doing, um, I'm a genre man myself. (laughs) So like, uh, you know, more genre films and not just like a staid boring dramas. Mm -hmm. Like any of them, I'm going to have a crush on them in their movie. (laughs) (laughs) As long as the movie doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm like, all right, you're about your shit. Like, I appreciate that.
0: Okay. Last question. Mm -hmm. Do you have a guilty pleasure film?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of my films are uh, like, uh, I love, I love rom-coms and they're like terrible movies for yes, the most part. Get into it. Uh, so the genre is like my guilty pleasure movie. But <laughs> nice. um, let me think of amongst rom-coms. What do I watch way more often than it deserves? Uh, <laughs> She's all that.
2: <laughs> yes. Nice. Do you have oh. the dance memorized? The like, the dance that Usher is weirdly not in.
1: The dance, no. But if I knew how to hacky sack, I might be able to pull that <laughs> off. Wow,
0: I clearly have not watched this movie enough times to know what you guys are talking. Oh about.
2: my god! Uh, so I forgot because it's like the first time I watched it. it. Yeah, it's the the Funk Soul Brother when they're at yeah. prom and he's like dance yeah. club, like out of nowhere. There's been no context this in the in James the film. is reenacting an amazing dance move. I just want it's in the to dance. It. It's in the da- where they yeah they're doing the like big like arm swings, but there it's like there's been no. Preamble to this existing at the high school, but yeah. then all of a sudden at prom, he's like, "Hey, dance club, you know what to do." And Usher—I forgot Usher's in that movie because when I first watched that movie, I like didn't know who Usher was, or, or like yeah. maybe he had j- maybe I had just started listening to his music, and then all, all of a sudden you're watching it and all you're like, "Holy shit, that's Usher!" And Usher's not in the dance scene; he's the DJ. <laughs> DJ oh, he's just
1: announcing, it. he's just announcing it. It's almost like the cha-cha slide, but he's not actually telling them the moves.
2: Yeah, and then yeah, they're doing this like whole dance. To Funk's old brother. Yeah. To... <laughs> wow. All right.
0: Thank you very much for participating in our icebreakers. Mm-hmm. We are now going to move on to our fun women in film history fact section.
1: Did you know women have always been a part of history? Fun fact. Oh, Devin, would you
0: like
2: to go first? Sure. No, first. All right. So, um, who did I find for today? Uh, I found Frances Marion today, who, um... I think she is considered, I don't know if she is technically the first ever female screenwriter, but I think she's considered the first female screenwriter. When you doodle that term, she pops up. Um, Because then I got curious because it was like a lot of things were listing her as the first one. But she was huge. She was hugely influential in film. Um, So I think, you know, the title is kind of appropriate for her because she was the first one to maybe be this hugely successful. So she was born in 1888 in San Francisco. She was born Marion Benson Owens, but then started going by Frances Marion professionally when she became a screenwriter. Um, so born in 1888. Wow. So she started writing when it was still silent films. So that's like... Wow. She went from silent films to talking films, which is pretty crazy. Cool. Um, and yeah, she started um, out kind of not knowing what she wanted to do with her life or a lot of different hats. She was a photographer, a model, a commercial artist. She was a journalist. Uh, she... Also ended up directing a couple films when she became a writer. She was an illustrator for a while, so and then she began as a screenwriter under, um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, so she was an illustrator, and then her um, career span, like I said, from silent films into talking films, and she worked with Lois Weber, who we've talked about before. That's right. So Lois Weber, who was a female um, director in the early 1900s, gave her a start as a writing assistant, and that sort of made her go, aha. I think I love screenwriting.
1: Also on film? hmm Writing assistant on film? Yeah. It wasn't like a vaudeville range.
2: No, because Lois Weber had her own um, production company. <clears throat> so she was a female director who had her own production company. I and think she was the
0: first uh, female-led production company. Yeah. I may be
2: misquoting that because it has been a little bit, but... But yeah, she was one of definitely the early, earliest ones. The yeah. Fascinating woman. Um, and... Uh, like I said, in 1915, she found her calling as a screenwriter. She took a hiatus during World War One as a war correspondent in France, so she went back to journalism for a bit. Um, but then in the 1920s, post the war, she became one of the highest-paid screenwriters in Hollywood, full stop. Not like man or woman. Ooh. One of the highest-paid screenwriters in Hollywood. And she moved to New York with an unheard, I'm air-quoting with an unheard sum, um, a salary of $50,000 in the 1930s. So it's like she was making a ton of money for the time as a screenwriter. In 1931, she won an Oscar for writing The Big House. And in 1932, she won another Oscar for Best Story for the film The Champ. So she was also an Oscar-winning screenwriter. Uh, In 1946, she retired from films. And at that point... Uh, it's estimated she wrote over 300 scripts, which <gasps> 130 of them went to to production. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's insane.
2: Yeah. So she wrote, she was writing just all the time. Um, and in 1946, when she retired, she credited it to because they were starting to um, really commercialize the film world. So this is like, you know, the era of like big studios being formed and stuff. And she said that she retired due to the commercialization and censoring of films by major studios. Mm. She felt it was limiting her creatively, and she also disagreed with what they were doing, like uh, some of the things were. No women's legs shown above the knee. No married people in bed together. So you, like, couldn't, right? Like, think of Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo. They couldn't be in the same bed. Um, no suggestion of sets, um, or interracial love. So, like, there was a bunch of, like, you know, sexual things that were being censored. So she, and she was, was, like,
1: haze code yeah, before um, that became a thing?
2: Yeah, so she was, like, all right, I'm out. Um, she continued to write. She wrote, um, you know, novels and stories. She also wrote a book, which Wait, is considered... Before you-, before
0: you move on really quick, I do want to say, the more we learn about, like, early... American cinema. What's so interesting? Women are is
2: so involved, re-
0: right? Especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. before I, before a lot of like really big studios came in. Yeah. it does seem like it was a lot less sexist. It was a lot yes. more even keeled across the gender line until. Yeah. Until the studio started developing, and then suddenly they kicked all the women out. And they just did because they were like,
2: now it's like, oh, well, now we're making it a business, so women can't be involved. But mm-hmm. like in the early like days of, of filmmaking, um, when really I was researching it, they were crushing it. They were heavily involved. I was um, when I was researching Francis uh, Marion. There was another female screenwriter um, that was talking about how she was like, nothing is offering women careers like film mm-hmm. is. Like she's like, this is a place where we can shine, and then you know. And then we killed it.
0: Well, because it started making money.
2: It It started 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 making making a lot of money, and then suddenly
0: the men got upset. Yeah, it
1: was kind of like a shit-on industry, like, uh, you know, where everyone's like, eh, that's not really glam, not glamorous, but not uh, lucrative or, like, high-class.
2: Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you think of like what has always been the careers that have been snubbed—artist um, careers often—but also like thinking like theater, right? Theater was like low, now people are like, "Oh, it's so highbrow." It's like it was considered a low form of it was entertainment. Yeah, yeah. The same, but the day, same level as prostitution. Yeah, mm-hmm. and same as yeah, actresses were essentially prostitutes in people's minds. You know, filmmakers were not real people. Is like,
1: prostitution high class now? <laughs>
2: It Dep- depends, okay. on depends on the website. <laughs> I, I got fair weird. Enough, fair I enough. Or the street
1: you're on. Yeah. Um, um, but now, yeah. I do have a... Qu- oh, sorry. I don't want to oh, interrupt. Yeah. Go but I have it. questions. Yeah. Um, one, uh, do you think that she chose the name Francis because it's like gender neutral? So
2: she did used to go by... Um, I can't remember if it was Frank Mar- Mar- but she did have for a brief moment in time a gnome de plume that was like Frank Marion and then oh, she wow. did Francis Marion. So mm-hmm. it might have been a general gender neutraling um, thing. Um, but, yeah. When she was
1: getting like established.
2: Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah she did have a a, ma- a male gnome de plume uh, for a brief moment in time in her like screenwriting career. Okay. Interesting. Um, but yeah so she's you know hugely influential. She was writing so many scripts. Again 130 of her like projects were produced which is incredible um and she was writing so many she's also considered to have the first official textbook on screenwriting which she published in 1937 Mm. which was which is titled how to write and sell film stories so she wrote a book she taught at usc she taught screenwriting at usc once she was you know retired from film writing continued to write novels and stories and yeah she was hugely um influential she has a memoir called off with their heads a serial comic tale of hollywood that she published in 1972 uh right before her her passing that sounds like a riot right i (laughs) want to read it um but yeah she's considered still to this day so hugely influential to screenwriting in early films and and she also um was a huge comedic writer as well so she said a lot of you know was one of the like kind of comedy tone makers Mm -hmm. in the in the beginning of hollywood so Mm. francis marion she broke a lot of barriers
0: Very, very impressed. So cool. Um, I'm excited to talk about the woman that I researched because there's definitely some overlap in time period. And the woman I researched is similarly has an unbelievably prolific career and was uh, uh, absolutely groundbreaking. So I'm going to talk about Helen Hayes. Um, Because of James's movie selection of High Fidelity, um, I started going on a track of what are some... Music-related type of women in history that I can find out, so I started to get interested in who's won an EGOT. So Helen Hayes is the second person to have ever won an EGOT and the first woman. And just as a reminder, to win an EGOT, that means that you've won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So Richard Rodgers was the first person to have ever won an EGOT. Um, Helen Hayes was the second. Is that Rodgers and Hammerstein? (gasps) Rodgers? Great question. No, No. I did not. That's not his name. Did not look that. I have no idea. I don't Uh, don't know. Um, She's also the first person ever to have won what's considered the triple crown of acting, um, which is to win an Academy Award, an Emmy Award, and a Tony Award in the acting categories. And she's only one of three people ever to have won an EGOT and the triple crown. And that is alongside Rita Moreno and Viola Davis. Oh, wow.
2: Mm. Oh, yeah. And Viola just got hers Uh this year. Yeah. So she has the EGOT. I guess
1: Whoopi didn't win for acting.
0: Uh, Yeah. I don't Mm. think she did. Okay. Um, which is interesting. I'd never heard of the Triple Crown of Acting—that title before. Um, yeah, I didn't know that was a. I didn't know that was a thing. I, was I there
1: doping involved? Is the important. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is that is the question. <laughs> um, so okay, so born in 1900, this iconic American actress' career spanned nearly 90 years. Whoa! She received the nickname the First Lady of American Theater. No big deal. Um, She also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Ronald Reagan in 1986, which is America's highest civilian honor, as well as the National Medal of Arts. Wow. So I'll go a little bit into her background. Um, Helen Hayes was born in Washington, D.C., began her stage career as a singer at age 5. She'd made it into a short film by age 10 and began performing in uh, numerous plays. Her first sound film debut, because this was right in that time when sound talkies were starting to happen, First sound film debut was *The Sin of Madeleine Claudette*, uh, for which she won an Academy Award for Best Actress.
2: Wait, so how old was she then? She was—I think she's a young
0: young adult in this. At this point, she was just acting a ton in theater and stage. Her her career is so long. I actually have to do this part fairly quickly. Quickly, yeah, go for it. The amount that she has done is truly staggering. Yeah, (laughs) so. Um, Okay, so she won Academy Award for Best Actress for that. She exploded onto the film scene soon after, filming movies one after the other, even though her true love was for Broadway. Um, At age 35, she returned to the stage after having worked in film for uh, a really long time. uh, For three years, she played the title role in Gilbert Miller's production of Victoria Regina. Her numerous Broadway works are too long to list here, so uh, (laughs) we'll actually move on to her, again, return to Hollywood in the 50s where her film star began to rise again. So she's kind of bouncing back and forth. Um, cool. She won another Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in Airport. She followed that up with several roles in Disney films, including Herbie Rides Again, <laughs> One of Our Dinosaurs Is Missing, and Candleshoe, which, fun fact, are all Disney movies. I've never heard I, of no. I mean, I know Herbie Rides Is
2: a Gem, but Candleshoe? What? Never. Well, only one
0: of their dinosaurs <laughs> is missing. I know. Um, Unfortunately, around this time, she did have to take a break because her 19-year-old daughter, Mary, unfortunately died from a polio-related death, and uh, her husband uh, started to have some failing health. Um, But her part in Anastasia, which you guys may have heard of starring Ingrid Bergman, is thought to be her big comeback after that time. Oh, yeah. So... um, Apparently, it is unclear when Hayes was given the nickname The First Lady of American Theatre. Her friend, actress Catherine Cornell, was also known to have been called that. And each of the women thought the other one deserved it more, which I think is adorable. That's
2: very supportive Um, and amazing. (laughs) I
0: know. But I really loved this uh, quote that a wrote about these two women, and that was that, Cornell played every queen as though she were a woman, whereas Hayes played every woman as though she were a queen. Nice. I just loved it. Um, her last Broadway show was in a 1970 revival of Harvey, which fun fact I have actually been in that play. Oh, nice! Uh, in that role? No, actually, it was a slightly different role. Not slightly different, a different role. A different. You can't role. have a slightly. slightly. Different role. No. <laughs> her no. twin sister, but. <laughs> it was the I, Invisible Bunny? Yeah, in a different, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she co-starred alongside uh, James Stewart in that. Nice. That was really cool. So. Um, It would be incredibly difficult to list the breadth of work that she accomplished in her career, but let me get into this a little bit, because in a similar way to the woman that you talked about, Devin, it it, it went so far beyond just acting and performing. It's ridiculous. Um, She wrote three books. She won a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album, which was interesting. I kept trying to find where her singing came into it, but it was actually a spoken word album that got her the Grammy. Um, She was in over 25 movies. Um, Her theater list is unbelievable. She worked tirelessly philanthropically with a hospital for people with disabilities. Um, It is currently named after her. And because of that work, she was awarded the greatest public service benefiting the disadvantaged. She was on the board of directors and the, for the Greater New York Council of Girl Scouts of USA. She founded the National Wildflower Research Center that protects North America's native plants and landscapes. She has so many theaters named after her in New York and in DC. It, it is the 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 amount of work this woman has done is truly unbelievable. Sometimes yeah. I feel like when we do these deep dives into women in history, there's always these. Uh, like scandalous things that come in or like really problematic. And I'm not saying that there's not some problematic aspect of her life, but it seems like the legacy she left was just of philanthropy and incredible works and just like tireless supporting of the arts. Nice. Nice. Um, she only retired from the stage at age 71 because of um, she began to get hospitalized for asthma, mm. and she subsequently spent uh, some of the last years of her life writing and raising money uh, and for organizations that fight asthma. <laughs> <laughs> so, she died at age uh, 93. Nice. That's a that's a great life. I, it <laughs> is such an epic life. I mean, honestly, I'm sure there are many books written about her because yeah. it is it is a lot. And I'm she was so so cool. That's awesome. Excellent, so let's, we can now move into the main section of our podcast, which is talking about the film that James chose, which, for our listeners, was High Fidelity. Yeah. So, Uh, we do want to start with our very first question, is which is, why this film, James?
1: Okay, well, it's my favorite film, period, bar none. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it's from a male perspective, so, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that that's not, like... A distinct part of it, but I think it has very, like, feminist angle on how he treats, or learns to treat women.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to get into it, yes.
1: You know, allegedly, in some, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, they say, like, way more women like this movie than dudes. Hmm. Uh, and I, uh, according to them, and this yeah. is fully unsubstantiated, but... Um, At least that's who would approach them about the movie a lot. Uh Interesting. Uh, And I think... Well, we'll get into that side of it, but I I think it has a lot to say about that. And it being my favorite movie. It was like an easy... Easy Like, yeah, let's just jump into it.
2: So I'm like, would that be... I feel like I could see that being true just because... So um, James is my neighbor, Mm -hmm. as well as our friend. Um, And so it was like... Yeah. Hey, do you want to come on? Talk about high fidelity, and he's like, "Great, I'm gonna watch it tonight." So then I, I just <laughs> went over with my boyfriend Chris. Oh, you did. And the three of us just watched it. I was oh, like, nice. "Yeah, that is convenient for me." Mm-hmm. Um, I had to rent it. So, rented, so.
1: <laughs> and a convenient excuse for me to rewatch it. Exactly.
2: So the three of us watched it, and so it was funny watching it with James and Chris because Chris was like. Oh man, I relate to th- this guy more than I care to say. Like different <laughs> things from it, like dating in you know his mm. early twenties. He was just like mm, no. So I think f- I was like maybe screw ups, yeah. Emotional like. screw ups are like things <laughs> where you're like oh that reminds me of an uncomfortable thing I did or a situation I was in or a heartbreak moment or something. So I could actually maybe see that maybe guys don't like it as much if it hits a chord of like mm, nope I don't like thinking about that. So like, or <laughs> maybe like that's why they, women enjoy it more. Or <laughs> they
1: they like have no emotional awareness at all, and they're like, nothing about this connects with me. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, so maybe that's why women are like, oh, man, because he's not the... hero at all. Yeah, he's like,
1: like a shithead for most of the movie.
2: Yeah, for most of the movie, which is um, I didn't do, because I know you know you have a whole dissert James has a dissertation on <laughs> High Fidelity. We could do several different dis- yeah, dissertation perspectives. So I was enough. like I'm not going to doodle a ton of like, you know fun facts or behind the scenes things. Wait, I is, was- that, is that truth or is that no, 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 it's no, no, it's no. True. an exaggeration? No, no, no,
1: no. Not a literal dissertation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I thought, well, look when we had Travis on, <laughs> he had a b- literal Dissertate. dissertation. It, I mean, if Mad I gave Maximum. more of
1: a shit in film school, maybe, but I didn't, so
0: <laughs> excellent one of the questions we do always like to ask is does it pass the bechdel test which this movie does not pass the bechdel test no. i think one of the only real scenes where there are two women talking at any sort of length to each other it is entirely about the lead male character sure, yeah, is yeah, it, yeah. when
2: are there two women talking to each yeah, other in the it's movie? um
0: with joan cusack and oh uh, the and the, Laura. yeah
1: because it's Hylia. all about the
2: yeah all about the, the how, do you, how do you say her name
1: i think it's Helya. she's like yeah. swedish Yibin- i think even, Even Helya.
2: Helya. She is gorgeous, by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. But anyway, She's super gorgeous. In that scene where they're talking extensively to each other, they're talking about a man. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. does not pass the Bechdel test.
1: No, I will say I abhor the Bechdel test. That's I think fair. I well, yeah. It terrible, doesn't necessarily
0: but, mean anything. Right. I do think it's an interesting thing to talk about just because I don't think I would think about that otherwise. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a feminist yeah, yeah, or not yeah. feminist film. You
2: know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think
1: it's a good metric if you're just trying to measure itself. Um, yeah because
2: like one of the movies we discussed was the mummy which doesn't pass the bettel test but i would say that is a feminist film like she's powerful she's got her own agenda she's not all about the guy like it's very feminist but also like she's the only woman
1: yeah yeah you can do a movie that's like all about for instance like a you know a straight woman going through a divorce or whatever and like she's constantly talking Talking about 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 her husband -husband. ex-husband and you know that's still so Mm -hmm. i i don't like the test as like a measure of feminism no which i think a lot of people use it as
0: yeah, it's not so much as a measure of that for us. I just think it is an interesting way to start talking about the role for of women sure, in yeah. the film. Yeah. But I, I would
1: say you. that I do like it as a in-the-back-of-my-head concept when I'm writing something. Mm. Oh, sure. So maybe like, well, do they, do they have to only talk about this dude? Should they talk about something else?
2: Yeah, <laughs> should we just shake it up?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I do like to consider it, but I don't like yeah. it as a measure of feminism. Yeah, and this was
2: an interesting rom-com to talk about specifically just because like the legacy of high fidelity it is that it was a rom-com that was the first and maybe still kind of the only of its time we're well maybe so not you the would, only i guess it is a rom-com because it, it is, is a rom-com a romantic but it's, it's, comedy yeah. right but, but it follows
0: it, no uh there's no cliches there's no
2: running like. there's no running through the airport there's no will they won't they it's not about will they won't they it's kind of about the relationship but it's more about like the relationship with themselves and John Cusat changing his relationship to women and mm-hmm. with himself and his own like you know what what does it mean? how am I, like how am I treating these people or like what do I? You know, he he has like this desire to be desired, right? Like, mm-hmm. and to, that he's so blind to that he ignores a ton of stuff and then it breaks the fourth wall. And it is it's a, a very, very
0: untraditional film yeah. in terms of it's not necessarily linear. There's definitely not a three act structure to no. it. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say anyway, James, you can probably speak more intimately about that mm-hmm. as a writer,
2: but. Yeah, and it's a very um, like the legacy of it is a, is it's kind of like a twisted, cynical, anti hero look at love, but still considered a rom com. And it's. Something that I think that's why it's still so hugely popular and has such a legacy, and why they, you know, have done the series now, right? Um, with it, because it's like, yeah, let's talk about because like relationships with other people are also relationships with our selves yeah, yeah, are yeah. important, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, on the three X structure thing, I, I was lightly thinking about this uh, while watching it, which I've had the thought before, but uh, I did slightly approach it a little more analytically um, this time. And the second act starts like an hour into the movie when he (laughs) calls his first girlfriend and then Bruce Springsteen is like singing to him. (laughs) Yes, which I made a, speaking a yeah.
2: note of, by the way, when I literally wrote down what Bruce Springsteen is in this. So yeah, 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 he yeah. originally wanted Bob Dylan for that. That yeah. was who he originally wanted. Yes. And then somebody was connected to Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan was unavailable. Mm-hmm. So then it became Bruce Springsteen, which I think is better.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's when the second, that's when he de- he makes a move to go like, take action. Yeah, in you're, his abso- life.
0: you're absolutely right. Yeah, that is second action. And
1: it's super far into the movie. <laughs> yeah, Um, yeah. And then, like, the third act, I would say, starts when, um, uh, post funeral when they. Yeah, uh, when they get back together. Which is yeah. like. I guess. But Very, it's so brief. It's at the so end. brief. At the yeah. End. yeah,
2: it's like the last, like, what, 20, 30 minutes of the movie? If that. Yeah. yeah. You could argue
0: that. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's I sort of like that. the climax of what everything's building towards, even though, uh, it's like it intentionally peters itself out because he starts having second thoughts.
2: Yeah, and it's also, it's so interesting watching a film, again, that's considered to be, like, in some sort of the romance drama where it's like you're kind of rooting for them not to get together. Right, right. Like, there's no, you're not meant to feel good about him or her or that like it is just a, it, it's a movie that violates a lot of classic rules and became such a classic and huge hit which I think is cool. Right, right. He's like he's not a good person no. I was finding myself in so many of these uh, scenes. And- oh when he says uh, like you know some basic women schizo shit and you're just like <laughs> yeah, god yeah. damn dude yeah, oh, like grow I know. up. But that, hold
1: on but the following sentences but hey that's the kind of the, thought that got me into this mess in the first yeah, place so he's, it's like he's he re- like, self recognizes. He self
2: recognizes it and it's so funny to it's John Cusack is like so the perfect person yeah. for this role. I love John mm-hmm. Cusack so yeah. much as just an actor, um, but mm-hmm. I think just because in the eighties he was, you know, he was what's his character name from say anything like Lloyd Dobler. Yeah, Lloyd Dobler. It's like he's earnest and he's romantic in the bit. Like he was in all these eighties yeah. movies that were these big romantic gesture like earnest young man movies like a young man who's like i believe in love and all this stuff and this is so the opposite this is like right. if those characters like it feels so much more accurate it's yeah. almost like if those characters were were real people yeah, yeah. just like his and high school girlfriend living yeah I <laughs> kept living yeah like if lloyd dobler wasn't as earnest and like i believe in right. love like no like, oh, i
1: fucked up like 15 years ago i yeah. forgot about that yeah
2: uh, that
0: scene where he's talking with the um i believe the Second uh, girlfriend that he's oh, the, high school, the mm-hmm. high school girlfriend the high school girlfriend when she, that scene and goes, when she well, was- and fuck you Rob and then he's yeah. so relieved when he says oh I rejected her that was such a <laughs> that was such a right. moment in the movie for me where I was like this is such a deeply unlikable character like mm-hmm. fuck yes. this. yeah because he yeah, didn't yeah. even <laughs> hear
2: how she was like I kind of got raped and you messed me up such like he just ignores all of that he ignores all of the hurt that she went through and the hurt that he contributed to and was just like. Oh, thank God. And it's so funny because it's so, it's like, it made me laugh because I'm like, you are such a dick. Yeah, like, you're so sucks. blind. No, you know, even in talking about this, because I was really like,
0: man, I don't love how women are, are necessarily talked about in this film, but it, it is kind of self-aware in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, they, that's, they realize that that is a super shitty thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So even as the anti-hero in talking about, like, how you're portraying men versus women, like, that was such an example of, like, oh Rob is. Robert sucks. This guy is the worst.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and he's all—it's all always feeding back into him, him, him. Because again, he just ignores all of the things she said. Where he's such a hypocrite.
0: All he does is think about whether Laura has slept with someone or not, and he is walking from a woman's house, (laughs) walking away from Lisa Bonet. Yeah, Yeah. literally. As if he's the one that's been... Anyway, yeah.
1: I just thought that was... No, I will not... I will say that uh, I don't... This is not like me, but... <laughs> so I on. need to preface this. <laughs> because, uh, like, my follow-up is that uh, it just seems like a really, like... Uh, it's a... It is it is what it when it was made, right? Yes. But... Uh, it is
2: almost like a period piece. Yeah. Oh, my God, can we talk? Okay, I'll let oh, you finish. Okay. I'll let you finish. I'll let you so,
1: finish. But I would say it's like a very... It's a very accurate um, representation of how immature men think about things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the movie itself is like very much uh, coming of age for him at you know thirty-five or however. Yeah, he is which in the movie.
2: that's when some people <laughs> come of yeah, age. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know, I, I knew people like this for sure. Yeah, I still know people like this.
2: I've definitely dated a Rob. For yeah. sure, yeah. I think we all have. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. me especially. You especially, <laughs> you especially. <laughs> um, just to touch briefly on the period piece aspect of it, um, watching this, I don't know if you had this experience, but watching the fashion and the accessories of this, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like the the hip huggers, the weird like platform shoes, and the faux bell bottoms, and the chokers, and um, and um, Lisa Bonet was wearing a baby G like shock watch which i had those like ridiculous watches did you have one of those i
0: don't know what that is oh my god they were
2: so popular but i was like looking at all the like the different fashion or how they were playing like in the flashbacks with his hair and the wids and just everybody's hair and all the styling. I was like, oh man, this is giving me like two th- early two thousands flashback to stuff that <laughs> I can't remember the last I time I watched
0: something that was that took place in that era. Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, yeah. But yeah, I was like Very accurate.
2: watching my uh a bunch of my friends and I old closets or like Lisa Vinet was also wearing body glitter and I was like, Oh my god, we all used to wear body glitter. <laughs> oh. like, <laughs> that was... That was the thing. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I enjoyed that aesthetically just because it was uh, it was funny yeah, yeah, yeah. to see some of those weird uh, fashion choices that existed. You know, I
0: wonder if there's a bit of a nod to the romcom-ness of it just by the sheer ridiculous amount of scenes that he has in the rain. There are so many lot. rain. We I commented that, on that, yeah. I even I made a note of it. And then, literally, I think whatever that next scene was was another shot of him in the rain. Yeah, he's yeah. always it crying just, in the
2: rain, screaming in the rain, waiting for her in the rain. And it's not nearly as
0: romantic, no, just, because all I can think about in that last scene where he's drenched and so muddy, all I can think about is him getting into this woman's car <laughs> yeah. and yeah. how filthy he is. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's soaking wet. I think for sure that's like commentary on on the kiss in the rain. Stuff, I it yeah. must
2: be because yeah. it's it's pathetic the way yeah, that it yeah, happens yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, he's definitely a pathetic figure throughout the film.
2: Yeah, and all the different like the specific like die dynamics want Jet Black. It gave us Jack Black his introduction to the world. He's so mm-hmm. amazing. He's so amazing and ridiculous in this. But like yeah, they're weird little like the three of them and their dynamic as like not friend friends yeah, yeah, and yeah. like giving the really quiet guy shit. And he's the only one who's got a date, right? Where I'm like, this is the only <laughs> nice guy in this movie is yeah. this really soft-spoken, kind of awkward dude. And like,
1: Yeah, yeah, Todd Luiso's character. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. I,
2: I wrote down an entire exchange just as a quote
0: because it's, I think, one of my favorite things that happens in the movie where um, a guy comes in and I think it's the only time we see him.
1: <laughs> the, all, he I goes, just called to say, I love you.
0: Uh, no, he goes, you guys are snobs. And they all say I together, like, no, God. we're not. Goes, no, seriously, you're totally elitist. You feel like the unappreciated scholars, so you shit on people that know less than you. No, which is everybody yes <laughs> it's just sad that's all
2: like yeah that guy who just like calls them on he's like no i see yeah, all your yeah. shit and i yeah. call you on it yeah. um i thought that was a really good sort of just snapshot of sort of what the film is about
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that's like uh it, it's uh, uh you know the term didn't exist i don't think at the time but it's like the most like gatekeepery kind of behavior mm-hmm. that yes. they, in terms of music uh and it's like such a subculture in the movie
2: yes mm. all of the music things That yeah. was something i saw in the like you know fun fats was like all of the stickers and the shirts he was wearing it was all real chicago record labels and all these small indie things like they were really trying to leave all those little fun things for people to find mm-hmm. and and make it a real feeling record store This right, 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 right. like you no know, you said the subculture of the of the record
1: yeah yeah and just the people who are in that like those are all the exact type of people in any subculture mm-hmm. Like, there's always, like, the, you know, uh, aggressively uh, know-it-all type people. Yeah. Uh, and they kind of encompass that, for sure.
2: Yeah, the, the the muse at snobs. This was also such a, um, like, early 2000s things where I think about, like, Empire Records. This movie, like, how many uh, sto- uh, films of this era were made in, in record stores? Jeez, right. so many. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw this?
1: Yes, I do. Like, what um, that
0: impression was like?
1: i bought it from borders in 2002
0: borders <laughs> oh wow.
2: borders
1: um, oh man i think i had a gift card uh, kids you're gonna have to doodle what that is and it was on my birthday i bought it uh yeah in 2002 uh so it had been out a couple of years and then i went home and i watched it and it the dvd froze uh 30 minutes into it
0: oh no oh no so
1: i was like well shit uh <laughs> So, uh, I, I asked my mom if we can go back and I could return it. And it was like a few days later. Uh, and then I kicked it back up. But from the beginning, I was like, oh, let me re- restart this. Um, and I sort of had an inkling about what it was about at that point. Um, and I watched all the way through and I loved it. And then I rewatched it immediately. <laughs> uh, and then I... Th- I think I watched it another like three times that month. Wow! Yeah,
2: okay. man, made an impact immediately. Yeah, and I was like
1: thirteen. So. Yeah,
2: it is. I do think this f- film kind of does a good. Y- you know, it has like you know first relationship, second relationship, like the genre, the the eras of relationship and how people remember them or deal right where he, when he meets Catherine Zeta Jones, where he's like, she's saying nonsense. I thought she was incredible. Or it's like you have your idealized mm-hmm. that one the one who got away relationship the high school relationship that's inevitably all that sets for somebody um and you know whether that's the boy in this case it's the boy but you know that's what that's about and like the first heartbreak the you know the middle school thing and I was like yeah i mean even though he's again it's not from everybody's perspective of like we're not all Rob, but it's like yeah we've all had that <laughs> those relationships sure, right yeah, yeah. Yeah, or been or at least that relationship. Yeah, yeah, or knew someone, or been that relationship for somebody I d- else. I did like for the woman that got away for Charlie that it, his shock looking at her in the phone book and saying she's an extraterrestrial. She <laughs> should be living on Neptune. <laughs> yeah, she, she's in the
0: phone book. Yeah. Oh my god, how gorgeous! Yeah, it's yeah Catherine
2: yeah. Zeta-Jones. I literally so.
0: paused it as my husband walked in and I went, "Look at young Catherine Zeta-Jones." <laughs> I mean, oh,
2: she's also stunning now. now I just yeah. mean that, man. This was when she. The, I mean, this had to be right around the same time as like *Masters of Zorro and everything, where she just came <gasps> yeah, on the scene yeah. and we all went. <gasps>
1: Yeah. I'm in love with you. Well, the way you're talking now brings me to the thesis of what I think I've been always <gasps> okay, about, okay, which no, is objectification of women. Shame on both of you. <laughs> uh, we have been shamed. No, I think the movie is really about, uh, if you want to get from like a, th- a film theory perspective, at least, um, is about uh, from a male perspective, learning to stop objectifying women, mm-hmm. uh, which he... Mostly succeeds at by the end, at least supposedly.
2: Yeah, he's moving uh, in that direction a
0: bit. Yeah, he, yeah. he hasn't. He hasn't finished, yeah. and he does touch on it—the bit about what it means to make women into a fantasy. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, that's kind of like his his uh, uh, proposal at the end. Um mm-hmm. yeah. is very much about like you know that's not really a thing. It's like kind of bullshit.
2: Yeah, he's like, I'm I'm done thinking about the fantasy. It's always just a fantasy. yeah, and yeah. it's always gonna go away. And I know yeah. what I have with you. I mean, it's not the most romantic thing of like This is real. Want to settle? But like, <laughs> but
1: like, right. But yeah. it feels like the most like real and honest part of the movie. Yeah. Is that speech? Mm-hmm. And it's not at all romantic. No. But it's like, hey, this is you know, fucking life. Yeah.
2: Uh, and like, do you just want to beat it? And then when he's making her the tape, he's like, I'm making it to make her happy, right? Instead of his metrics, even his his midst tapes are like, I'm making it. You make a midst tape to to send a message to that person is his preface in the beginning. And then mm-hmm. by the end of the film, he's like, I'm putting stuff on that's going to yeah. make her happy, which is a but different it way. Kind of, of, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, and the little like subtextual joke in that is mm-hmm. that they have that whole conversation earlier about the guy uh, wanting, I just called to say, I love you, the Stevie Wonder oh, song. Right. And then that song that's playing is a very not well-known Stevie Wonder song. That's pretty good, but like it sort of lumps into that, like, Musical crimes perpetrated mm. by Stevie Wonder joke that Jack Black.
0: Nice, has okay. I didn't even pick up on that. So it's
1: one of those. There's a lot of like musical musical in jokes with that type of stuff, or like commentary on itself. Thank and God. that being one of those, like, you know what? This is me letting go of my like musical prejudice as well, and giving her like Ooh. a song that she would like. I was, I was gonna nice. say
0: it is the fact that that is kind of the ending moment and, like, the big revelation of the film is sad. <laughs> yeah. That, like, the big revelation is kind of that he's doing something to make someone else happy. Like, it just feels like another yeah. point of just an example of yeah. exactly how selfish he is. Well,
2: because it's like you... you but he's t- trying to not be. Yeah. Exactly. The, yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, and I think it's, like, one of those things where... I don't know. you if you if If you were lucky, like, you know, I've had relationships that haven't been horrible like like i can say all of my answers none of them were bad guys nobody was overly selfish or be like but it's like so you kind of take for granted that some people don't have a basic sense of like how to not be totally (laughs) totally selfish or like oh Mm -hmm. shouldn't just doing something to make somebody else happy you think of that as a basic human instinct it's not for everybody and this is that story of watching someone who that's not a basic instinct he has for whatever reason try to learn that thing that um you know, I think sometimes, you know, luckily some of us get to, to take for granted of that. Like, oh, you just are basically not a selfish prick at your core.
0: At right, your core. Right.
2: Yeah. But right. I do
0: think going back to your thesis is so interesting. This idea that, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. the idea is kind of that this movie is about learning how to not objectify women. Yeah.
1: Uh, from a male perspective, I would say. Yes. I think so. Um, among other things, it's not the only thing it's about, but like... I think that, you know, very obviously he has these five women on pedestals in his head. Mm -hmm. Or more specifically, these five romantic moments in his life. Mm -hmm. Or non-romantic moments, rather. Um, And then as he kind of is able to re-examine each one... It's like, oh, that's not what I thought it was mm-hmm. for whatever reason. The first one being like totally out of his control and he was an idiot kid. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the second one, it's like, oh, no, I'm the one who fucked this up. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is Charlie uh, is Captain Jones character. He doesn't. Let's see. What's the what's the thesis or not thesis? The solution of that one is that uh, he has like bad taste in that case it's a lot more than that but like that's kind of what it came. or it was, like her, just, or he had that date. or
2: they just it was like I feel like that one was like hey this is a relationship where you guys really had yeah, nothing, nothing in nothing common going on. yeah, yeah there's nothing yeah, yeah. nothing of deep connection for yeah, yeah. You. and thinking of her
0: as this stunning extraterrestrial is actually not yeah he was only it actually s- isn't talking about her in a way that makes her a human being it yeah. makes her unattainable in a way that makes her not actually a person
2: yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. maybe
0: yeah. did he ever actually listen to her or connect to like it was like oh my god she's so hot I can't believe she's with me because as you, if you think about it, a lot of the times when she is talking, it's his voiceover over the top of it. Yes. And her yeah, you it don't out.
1: actually hear Yeah, so yeah.
0: how much of that is he actually even listening and to? And I
1: that? think the the combining that with the like, oh, she talks shit all the time and sucks and all that stuff, mm-hmm. I think that's like um, the there's kind of, I'm sure you're, you've heard this, but like there's like the kind of adolescent boy concept of like, you know uh, you know, women don't fart or shit or whatever like they're not people <laughs>
0: uh-huh. uh, yeah. i
1: think it's kind of like that that's the little commentary on that is him going like oh i thought she was perfect but not only is she not perfect i don't like her like at yeah, all. yeah
2: like she's like, a she's a real she's person. a real person
1: who in this case sucks yeah yeah
2: yeah who yeah, is she wasn't who was not for me but again he was just seeing her fit like all of his early relationships which I think you could say of a lot of early relationships but specifically this guy or this type of guy where it's like all about the physical right
1: like I
2: made out she made out with someone else I wanted to have sets with her and Mm -hmm. you know it was all about the physical and then with Charlie it was all about the physical she was gorgeous she was a goddess
1: I can't believe she was with me not even just the physical it was like the status the status with her yeah Um, and
0: he came out of that relationship not learning (laughs) about her as a person but instead saying oh I have to I think he says I have to date in my weight class. Yes, yeah. he said, which is a really shitty way to move forward from that relationship. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah. she was too pretty. She was too smart. I need to find someone less pretty and less smart, which right. is which is a disgusting way to look at the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. again, like in the reexamining of that relationship, finding out that she's a person and also that that is not his type of person is yeah. much more interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one, uh, the Sarah character, is like. The only one that uh, he is, like, you know, not at fault for mm-hmm. in one way or another. Uh, and But when he comes to, like, see her, he's like, oh, well, you know, she has an equally shitty life as me, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and he, it's one of those, like, you know, I can accept my... Role in this, yeah, he's, yeah. That's, and he said he's glad that he broke up with her. Well, know? it's
0: interesting. She's almost a mirror of him, yeah. which yeah. is also not what he wants at all. Yeah, but yeah, That yeah, character exactly. does kind of feel like just an exact female version of him. Yeah, yeah,
1: very much so. Um, and is not in a healthy place to to be in a relationship. Probably back then, but definitely not like currently in the film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's it's one of those like uh, it's almost like the kind of the denial through acceptance kind
2: of. Oh, the stages of like, yeah, yeah, grief. grief yeah, yeah.
1: it's sort of like that. There's yeah. mom- elements of each of those kind of things in there.
2: I did love Catherine Zeta-Jones line where when he was like, so why'd you break up with me? And she just goes, fuck, <laughs> I, knew <it. laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were doing this. That was good. Um, Yeah, and then him and Laura, it's like, yeah, what do we think is the... <sighs>
1: well, she's the most realized character in the yes. film. Obviously, because she's like the lead female Mm -hmm. uh lead love interest i guess um in that but also like uh you know she's got the she's self i mean he has his old speech about what he likes about what he misses about her rather but um she's she's like a self-assured woman she's like about her own shit Mm uh and doesn't need him
2: but want it's like the ver- the or at you, least are at you-
1: a time wanted him.
2: Yeah, like d- are you with somebody because you need them or because you choose to be with them? Where it's like a weird choice they <laughs> they made to be together.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. I think we were talking over it, be- or no, we weren't talking over it. When we watched it, uh, my upstairs neighbor was making a substantial amount of noise, <laughs> cheering at some kind of some uh, sports sports event. <laughs> It was unclear him and the his Im- friends.
0: The amount of eye rolling that just happened with these
2: two. Was <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite uh, hilarious. Listen, it we're trying to frequent. watch a film and he's watching yeah. sports and yelling. It was free-
1: well. It wasn't the yelling so much as the weird noises. <laughs> it
2: was really weird. We were like, it, like it sounds like, of, like Muppets. Woo, yeah, we were like, it sounds like Muppets are watching uh, a football game upstairs. It wow. really did. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, um, yeah, he says I'm too tired to not be with you, and
0: uh, which is sad.
1: It is very sad, and then he sort of has this uh, kind of defensive, like, that's not... I don't want to do that, but but then he kind of gives into it. But, um, like, I don't... It's not romantic or idealized in any way. Mm -mm. It's kind of real.
2: (laughs) Right, because you think about a lot of... I know, a lot of... Relationships of apathy. Yeah, Yeah, like, there was... um, I can think of one really horrible breakup I witnessed of, like, co-workers where it was, like, they were in a relationship together, but everyone was sort of, like, really? Kind of, like, why? And so when they broke up, no one was surprised because they didn't seem, like, a great fit, but they were kind of surprised it was happening. But I think it was a relationship of apathy. They just got really comfortable and, like, Mm -hmm. how do I not be with this person This movie
0: does really resist, like, cliche, and even as they're Mm -hmm. all sort of wanting this kind of romantic idealism yeah these these things come out and it's so sad yeah, even yeah. him talking about getting married is like the saddest proposal sort of scene of all time you know
1: I, I don't know though because uh, you know you're happily married I am and you're very pregnant right now
0: yes that I also am <laughs> uh,
1: so you know you're in a good place in your life I would say I assume you would agree Um, you know, there are, uh, how do I put this? (laughs) There are good things, good relationships whose foundation are not love. Mm. I'm not saying that those are the best or that that's like the norm in any way. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, there are people who are just like good together, even if they don't romantically love each other.
2: Or I know a lot of, um, like I've my like friends of my parents or even some friends i've had now who've gotten married where they're like oh yeah my parents like met each other and then like almost immediately got married because they were both in their like you know mid-30s and like i want a family you seem really nice this seems to work really well hey let's have a part it was more of a practical pra- practicality and there is love there and a good relationship there but it is not this romantic story or like people are it's like you know like, hey, this is this is what I want. Do you want the same thing, mm-hmm. or I don't know? Just yeah, it was like the easiest way to build the life that they wanted was c- kind of this person that happened to come along at the certain t-
0: time. I which think isn't you like- said it earlier. This idea that may that I think a relationship can also be about choice, mm-hmm. right? And if they're choosing each other, then does the reason really matter?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's a like the optimistic view of the end of the movie is like there's kind of a comfortable happiness. It's not like this bombastic, over-the-top, yeah. like... Mm-hmm. Which
2: he even talks about before where he was like, it was comfortable, and he's like, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't, like, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. like, it was good. It was good.
1: Yeah, and I know people like that, and I, they're, like, I think some of those people have, like, enviable relationships where it's just, like, I think that's a, a good thing to aspire to. Yeah. Like, does everyone want the goddamn fireworks and, like, uh, you know... The trips to paris and all kinds of romantic <laughs> shit sure but like
2: yeah. but also there's like those like,
1: don't uh, in much the way that he kind of comes to that realization like those don't uh th- those don't last more than that moment they kind of like yeah. exist for a second and then you still have to like fall back into the comfortable happiness side of the relationship actually,
0: another example i think of this movie doing something that is actually very realistic mm-hmm. um
2: I had another example, but I but I forgot. Yeah, no, go ahead. But yeah, because it's like you know relationships aren't all like trips to Paris, and also like again, what's underneath that, right? Like if you're just you know being treated to nice things, or sort of like you think of relationships where it's like people do have relationships where they're like bought off more, and that seems like oh how luxurious, but I'm like, but then it's like is there depth to that? Is it all about the stuff, or is it not right. about the? You to be always chasing
1: that dragon. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like never never be satisfied. I do want to talk about also Lisa Bonet because I liked their scene together. Because again, I think it's another example of where he was like, you know, where you're connecting on the stuff,
1: Mm -hmm. where it's
2: like all the stuff. And he's like, how did I get her into bed? But it was like one of those things where I feel like he was like, you're wondering how I did this. Where it's like, no, again, I think she decided, like, also, (laughs) sure, like, why not? This guy's cute. Like, I'm looking for, you know, a sexual connection right now and because when they say goodbye i feel like she's like totally where he's like i'll you, and she's like whatever like she totally sees through his yeah, shit yeah. all the time but he's thinking how did you're wondering how did i do this and like kind of like look at me but she's like okay whatever, well she man. also
1: says right after they sleep together she's like you know i'm not gonna let that dude get between me and the fuck like that's yeah. my thing like yeah <laughs> I wanted this. I wanted yeah. this.
2: Yeah, like yeah, it's just another like um, very banal about it. I liked yeah. that. Part. I did like. Yeah, that. like a that little like men's Edo being like constantly knocked down. This guy's Edo is constantly knocked down. It's like so high for some reason. He's like so self-deprecating. He's so self-deprecating, and yet has a giant Edo mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. Mm, something else that I was thinking about,
0: and this does sometimes happen on the podcast where I don't, I don't love a movie and then i like it more the more we talk about it <laughs> mm-hmm. because yeah. i am realizing just how self-aware and how shitty this character is like i'm aware of that watching it but really talking about how all of the instances are it really is commentary on the shittiness of the male gaze like it mm-hmm. is absolutely an
2: example of that yeah like it's follows a really, th- but it it has so many funny moments and there's so many like funny lines and things but i wouldn't necessarily be like this movie's gonna be a fun right re- right where it's like hey this <laughs> yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is more of a thinker movie it's definitely yeah. yes. not
1: like an aspirational film no uh, no like, definitely not but, but I, I think there's room for uh like uh, not room for. I think it's necessary if if your goal is to, like, I don't want to say solve, but, like... Examine. Examine mm-hmm. and, like, you know, make course corrections on how you treat people in mm-hmm. your life from the perspective of a guy, in the terms of this movie. Uh, like... You cautionary tale films are helpful. Yeah. And I'm, there are plenty on the other side as well, where it's just like, hey, you know, don't be an idiot, or a bitch, or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, in this case, don't be an asshole, or you know, again, an idiot. Yeah. Um, right. You
0: can look at this as a cautionary tale. Absolutely. For
1: sure. Like, he is not a hero to any, including <laughs> himself. He is not a hero to anybody. You don't want to do this. But it's like a realistic look at, like, things that happen in people's lives when they don't Know what the fuck they're doing, or like how to treat people,
2: <laughs> and it's all. I kind of like the the rom com that's trying to be right. Because I feel like I've read so many different theses and articles and things like that, where it's like you know how do how do. Unrealistic romantic expectations also mess people up, from like princesses and like I don't know, like happy endings, and like I'm not saying that everybody should, you know, hey, watch High Fidelity when you're going through puberty, you're not going to get it. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you're James. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> but, I had like, an interesting puberty.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but like, I bet. You know, like, I don't, I don't know, like, um, yeah, I just I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm like, I kind of like this to balance out all of the, you know, grand gestures, because because romance isn't. All, like, all grand gestures, that's what you think it's going to be. You think sets and romance and things are going to be a certain way and often, um, they're, often. They're not. And they're not. And that can be good and bad. Like, this is yes. a, an example of bad. But there can also just be, like, when you have, like, real intimacy with someone, whether that's, like, romantically or as a friend, you're like, oh, man, this is, like, better than, like, I don't know, you know the Fifty Shades of Grey, this millionaire who's going to whisk you off to things. It's like, right. no, it's so it's such harsh shit. And um I don't know if you really want that, but you're told like this is what you want.
1: Mm. Right, right, right. And having something that counters that with like, yeah, this dude like cheated on his girlfriend, she aborted a kid because of it, mm-hmm. like you know, genuine issues. Yeah. Uh which, you know, in 2000, I think that was even more outrageous, but um than it would be now.
2: Yeah. And like yeah, the a relationship that they come back together after unfaithfulness. I'm like, that's a super common story. Like, where it's like, you know, again, you're told like, hard line never, which, fair. Like, if that's your hard line. But like, a lot of people kind of figure it out after that. And you don't see that a lot represented in romance films. And he didn't
0: need to do a giant gesture to get her back. In fact, it was her choice and also the result of
2: going to a funeral and her dad dying and uh, yeah, outside of their hands. Yeah, exactly. and, yeah. and having her own uh, emotional affair that turned into then a romantic brief thing with Tim. Okay, Tim here's a fun fact about Tim Robbins in this film. He agreed to do this film and Anchorman um, if they made him a custom wig and he got to keep it. He still owns the wigs for both uh, from both of those films and uses them for costumes and stuff. He's like, yeah, I'll do it because um, you know they didn't have a lot of money. That is so in terms weird. of like Tim Robbins sketches <laughs> yeah, you know Tim Robbins at uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. At, well, at they've point, also like, been in
1: a lot of movies together.
2: Yeah, so like, I think there was a, a friendship connection. Yeah, he was yeah. like, I'll do it if you make me this wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's amazing. It. Um, I did not see that in all my fun facts in yeah. this movie. I, which I'm like, I don't know Tim Robbins, but I was like, I feel like I get that vibe from you. They'd be like,
1: I'll do it for the wig. Yeah, yeah.
2: This has been awesome. Uh, do you have any final thoughts to kind of wrap
0: this up? Uh,
1: about High Fidelity in, in yeah. particular? You know, I, I, I said it a little bit before. I don't Don't watch it aspirationally. Mm. You know what? First off, let me just say, <laughs> I hope this doesn't make me seem like I'm like Rob. I don't think I am at all. <laughs> you are not
2: at all. Okay. I can, we, we can attest.
1: Okay, great.
0: Our fav- We do not have to reflect our favorite films. That is for right, sure. Right, right.
1: Yes. But I fucking love this movie. Yeah. So, like, I, I wow. just, I want to make it clear.
2: <laughs> I mean, it has a lot to chew on. Yeah. Like, it is a movie of many layers. And, right, right, Which is why
0: I very much enjoyed speaking about it. Also, I feel like I get to know you a little better, mm-hmm. James, by yeah. getting to see your favorite movie. And Now
1: recognize the poster in my hallway. So, <laughs> nice. um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to, uh, watch, uh, a- positive and negative things from all sides of anything you're trying to, like, uh, understand. And this, I would say, is a negative thing from the male side that has, uh, positive lessons, but, uh, if we're getting into, like, you know, Aesop's Fables territories of, like, <laughs> learning something from what you <laughs> you uh, consume. Sure. Uh, and it's fucking funny. So, yeah. You know.
0: Well, I had a blast. As a self-professed non-rom-com lover, I did enjoy it. And I enjoy it more after having talked about it. So Good. thank you very much for coming on to our
1: podcast. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Thank <laughs> you.